Hello, spoiler alert listeners. This is Mike from MovieOutsiders.com. Danny and I recorded the following episode, the 1963 Best Picture winner Tom Jones, on February 7th. Unbeknownst to us was that the star of this film, Albert Finney, passed away that very day in London, which would be reported the following morning. While our discussion of the movie is handled with our typical lens and debatable humor, we wanted to say for the record that both Danny and I are great fans of Mr. Finney and certainly intend no disrespect of his tremendous talent and illustrious career on stage and screen. We apologize in particular for the comment in the five questions segment that also manages to insult Nick Nolte. And now, on with the show. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode number 245 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny. And tonight we're reviewing another one of the Motion Picture Academy's Best Picture winners. This one from 1963. It's Tom Jones, starring Albert Finney. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh... As always, the Best Picture Choosing Machine has spat out a random Best Picture for us to enjoy, and we've been sort of counting down to Tom Jones. And when I say counting down, I mean dreading. <laughs> Have you ever seen this movie before? I'd never seen it, and frankly, I'd never heard of this movie. Had you? I'd heard of it in that it was a Best Picture winner, and once upon a time, uh, when we were updating our website, we put all the Best Picture posters out there. From the, from the little thumbnail of the poster, I assumed that this was a period piece, which I was yep. correct. I also assumed it was a very serious drama, in which case I was not. I'm sorely mistaken. I, I really yeah. knew nothing about it at all, other than it looked like it took place in about mid-18th century, which in fact it does. Right. Yeah. Right. Boy, you know, the, the 63 Academy Awards... Certainly were were fans of Tom Jones. I mean, this thing came in with 10 nominations back in 63, and it won four. It won picture, director, what we'd call adapted screenplay, and score. Right. Yep. But it was nominated for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Art Direction, and three separate actresses were nominated for Best Supporting Actress. That's crazy. That's unusual, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that... Boy, it, it's hard to uh, it it it's hard to I, I don't want to dive into this just yet. We haven't even done a plot recap, but I think that it's really interesting. This film seems, and you've described movies this way in the past, as very much of a moment. And I and I say that knowing that this is a period piece, but it right. is a period piece that clearly looks like it was shot in the early 1960s. If somebody showed this to me, I would guess that it was shot in 1963 right. immediately. Right. Uh, it, it just kind of jumps out of the screen at you. Other big movies that year, um, HUD uh, was a big one. Paul Newman was nominated and expected yep. to win, uh, kind of expected to win. But of course, the big winner that year was Sidney Poitier for Lilies of the right. Field. First African-American to win a Best Actor Oscar. Uh, so a very big deal that year. But uh, HUD was a big one. Federico Fellini won his, I think, third Oscar for eight and a half in the foreign language category. After that, not a ton jumps out at me. Cleopatra, probably the biggest movie of the year. Biggest four movie hour of the year. long, epic, billion yep. dollars, you know, whatever it was, Elizabeth Taylor. But I don't know. No, no other favorites of mine on that list. No, and I looked back and tried to find other movies that came out that year just to sort of get a sense of 
you know, was there something else that that came out that year that that I would have thought was either better or, um, you know, that was overlooked? The Great Escape was released that year with Steve McQueen. Oh, I think okay. that's a, a really fun movie. And then it was things like The Pink Panther, Charade, The Birds, and uh, The Nutty Professor with Jerry Lewis. You know, those are all movies you've you've heard of and have talked about over the years, but nothing else that really jumped out as a probably should have won. I think I saw that there might have been two James Bond movies in the top five for the box office that year. Uh, it's a Mad, 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 Mad World came out that year, which yeah. is a movie I've always enjoyed for a long time. But I, I also once read an interesting theory around what gets awarded Best Picture and the times that the nation is going through. And it, I mean, oh, this okay. gets a little philosophical, but if you look at like 1963, so we've just uh, had the assassination of a U.S. president. Uh, we're mired right. in Vietnam. If you look at the 60s as a decade as a whole, you've got very light Best Picture fare, right? Up until Midnight Cowboy, which which starts to right. turn the tide, but... You know, you've got Sound of Music, West Side, West Side Story is a little heavy, but it's a musical. Oliver's yep. in there. Of course, Tom Jones, which is comedic. Um, really, really light and fluffy stuff. And and it's kind of, uh, contra- you can contrast that with the movies that won Best Picture at the time Barack Obama was the president of the United States. And at a time when the nation was feeling kind of positive and, and gen- generally kind of rallying again, they could go see some darker stuff. Like the, the movie yeah. got a little bit heavier that got awarded during his two terms. So just kind of an interesting thing to, to contrast what wins best picture with the mood of the nation at the time. Yeah, I think it's an interesting to, uh, way to approach this film. But before we get too far into it, why don't you give us yeah. a quick plot recap and uh, let people, because I'm sure that many listeners have not heard of Tom Jones. <laughs> right, right. So as I mentioned, it does take place in the mid-18th century, in England, in fact. And Squire Allworthy raises a baby that he finds in his home as his own son, because he believes the child to have been born out of wedlock. That baby is Tom Jones, who grows up to be quite a playboy. His heart, though, is reserved for Sophie. And despite Sophie's affection, her high standing in society means that she cannot marry Tom. The man she is supposed to marry, uh, Bliffel? Blyfel? Blif- Bliffel? Bliffel. Bliffel. That, that's a horrible name. Bliffel is a complete jerk, and he convinces the squire who raised Tom that Tom is no good, and Tom is ultimately sent away. While wandering the countryside, Tom gets in all kinds of trouble and randomly hooks up with more women. By the time he arrives in London, Bliffel has Tom framed for robbery and attempted murder. But before he can be hanged for his crimes, the squire learns that Tom was actually his own nephew by blood. The hanging is halted, and Tom is reunited with his beloved Sophie, their social standing no longer an issue. And that's the love story comedy Tom Jones. There it is. There it is. What did you think of Tom Jones? Like I mentioned, I think that it's very of the moment. This is like an early 1960s clearly British film, right? The, the kind of yep. quirky, I described it almost as a cross between Monty Python, A Hard Day's Night, and A Man for All Seasons. <laughs> Just because you needed to throw a period piece in there. Right. Uh, that, that's sort of what it felt like to me. I, I felt like a lot of it wasn't quite for me. It, 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 I, I'm not an 
audience for it, but there were things that I could appreciate about it. I, I'm not unhappy that I saw it. How about you? Do you remember in all our Best Picture episodes, which was my least favorite Best Picture? <laughs> Is this it going to trumpet right now? <laughs> I would Absolutely. say I would say your least favorite was My Fair Lady, probably. I would rather it. watch My Fair Lady on a loop for like a month than ever sit through this again. <laughs> this funny. was the most arduous push I can remember. I would oh, recommend wow. that no one ever waste a second of their life on this movie, and I am dumbfounded that it is as well regarded as it is. So. So before before we dig into what you hated about it so much, first, we need to re- remind our listeners that this was a critically lauded film that year. Ten, ten nominations. Ten nominations, four wins, and, and critically, like, really highly reviewed, except for, and I had to write it down because when I was doing my research, I was wiping away tears uh, laughing, and, and it seems like it's one you could have written, and it was actually in the London Times, and the reviewers said that, there is nothing in this film that could give any member of the audience one moment of enjoyment. <laughs> it sounds almost exactly like what you said. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> but you're right. So actually, I think that your dialogue in the beginning was really helpful for me because when you put it in the context and sort of what is the what is the movie going audience need at that moment in time and a light comedy was what people needed. And, I, you know, it kind of helps you. Because I was honestly struggling with why would anyone have nominated this or thought this was worth watching? Mm. Because literally from the first moment, the first few minutes are, are, are presented as like a silent film with title cards on the screen and characters mouthing the dialogue. And the music that starts is just noise. It's just a harpsichord gone insane best and score I'm like, I was best like, yeah score. it was best score like i hated it from the first frame and Oof. it never recovered yeah. this movie sucks hard <laughs> well nothing uh, about it i found nothing about it not even albert finney who i have always enjoyed and i was like as i was dreading this movie i thought let's well, get albert finney who's nominated for best actor what's not to like guess what everything so Going back to the the sensibility of the time and what and what the country needs, again, I felt that there were a handful, maybe half a dozen moments throughout the film sprinkled in here and there that made me chuckle. But the way that I read the reaction to the movie at the time sounded like people were rolling in the aisles at this movie. And I just can't imagine a theater full of people in hysterics no. at anything no. in the movie. I, I would say the parts that I liked that, that, you know, made me chuckle. There's, there's, there's a dining scene where Albert Finney and some woman are just eating the most disgusting food and it's supposed to be sexy. And it looks like something out of Fairly brothers movie that made me laugh. No, um, now wait, let's talk about that scene because when people write and think about this movie, that is a very famous sequence. It is three and a half minutes long. There's no music. And it is just one shot of Albert Finney and one shot of the woman back and forth. And they are constantly eating. There's no dialogue. And they are like making eyes at each other. And it is supposed to kind of be sexy. But they are eating like meat off the bone 
and there's like gristle <laughs> just slurping and just like the fat off slurping. Yeah, yeah. Then he he gives her an oyster and she puts it in her mouth and she actually turns and shows him the oyster like Ugh, and then swallows it. I almost gagged. Then they're eating <laughs> pears and no human being has ever eaten a pear the way they eat pears. He takes it for like the top, it's got the stem, and shoves it stem into his mouth. And then she has a huge booger of pear like hanging out of her nose. And she's just mashing a pear in her face with juice all over. It How was many times so did you watch revolting. this scene? I made my wife watch it, so I watched it twice. Because I thought, this is like a famous scene in movie history. And I am I am dumbfounded that yeah. anyone thought it was either funny or sexy because it is just stomach churning it's just that, awful there were there were a couple other sequences that you know again sort of remind me of the monty python or maybe a hard day's night there's there's a scene where albert finney's going to you know he's protecting some woman's honor and so he's going to try and fight a guy who has a sword, but all he can come up with is a stick. So every time he swings it at the guy's sword, the stick keeps getting shorter and shorter. I thought that was funny. There's a scene, there's a sequence where where he's riding a horse and the woman that he's wooing is riding a horse. And they keep following each other like through the frame. Like all of a sudden she's behind him, then he's behind her, then she's behind him. That seemed a little bit like the Beatles in A Hard Day's Night. It's interesting you don't see a ton of movies where they break the fourth wall, but they do that, no, that frequently in, yeah. in this film. There's even a scene where Albert Finney covers the camera with his hat, like to keep the viewers from seeing the woman behind him who's having a wardrobe malfunction, which which I thought was kind of different. Uh, there's a narrator throughout the film, which is a little bit unusual. I mean, not, not tons of movies have narrators. And... He's kind of funny because he sounds really disaffected and, and he'll be explaining something and then he'll just get bored of explaining it. So he'll kind of stop and say, oh, yeah, whatever, this happened. I, I sort of th- thought that was funny. I guess the one thing that I truly appreciated about it is that they really commit to the ridiculousness of it. I mean, even even putting in a three and a half minute long disgusting sequence like you described is they've got all these kind of weird swinging London flourishes throughout. There's a scene towards the end of the movie where a couple is eavesdropping at the door. And so they keep making them still frame shots of the two of them in goofy positions eavesdropping at the door. Those kinds of goofiness I at least appreciated to turn what I have to think would be a very boring book that this was based on set in this time period into something at least occasionally funny. But I wrote down, is this funny? Is it sexy? No. Because that's another thing no. that I read about it is this was a really titillating movie. And I just found it, it no, like I, I found it almost kind of a, this movie could not be made in the Me Too era. That's for sure. Well, I feel like the movie is review proof because every time I tried to, to write down or ask a question that was plot based or, even, you know, about the acting or a choice. It just was like, why bother? This movie is just a freaking mess. And I, I just, it was, I just thought it was so bad. It's just bad. It's, it's written poorly. It's acted poorly. It's the fourth wall stuff sucks. I mean, one of those fourth wall uh, breaks is when the woman he's eating the food with, whom he sleeps with, Late in the movie, we find out, oh, is she his mom? And she actually looks at the camera like, eh? What, like, like incest, 
pretty cool. And then, of course, you find out later that she wasn't. But we are led to believe she was for a a few moments. And she actually gives the like a pro incest. What are you going to do? Shrug at the camera. And I just thought this is so ridiculous and not like a funny Monty Python ridiculous. Just a what a failure. But yes, people in the 60s howled in the in the aisles people slapped their knees and cried and fell out laughing and i couldn't think of one funny thing i thought this movie i thought the terrible score was just awful uh i mean it's just almost almost harpsichord the whole thing i'm I'm looking at what else was nominated that year it's a mad 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 world i've seen that you know a hundred times nothing remarkable about that score but i'd certainly rather listen to that one on endless it's loop. music yeah. instead of just noise <laughs> right, yeah it's right um you know there's all kinds of hurt animals in this movie too there's a lot of farm yeah. scenes there's a there's a really grisly hunting yeah. scene that goes on yeah. for five or six minutes that's wholly unnecessary that's really pretty bad and then i also jotted down What's up with this movie? And I guess most movies of the time, anytime there's an aerial shot, it looks like it's shot by a cameraman dangling out of a helicopter. Like, it, it, you can't focus on anything. It's like, why do they even bother? Why, why do they even try to do this? Like, this, for the three... For the, you know, 30 seconds of Vista that you see there, it's really jarring. It's all jittery. And, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. So I, I totally agree. And in fact, I, I so agree with you in that you can take almost any movie from this era when there's an aerial shot. And they just showed you, even with the sound off, the two seconds of aerial footage, you could say this was shot in the early 60s. <laughs> By contrast, do you remember when we watched the Broadway Melody of 1929? <laughs> yes, which actually that looked a little had better. That aerial shot of Manhattan. Yes. And I, I was so impressed that it must have been in a Zeppelin or something. <laughs> that was <laughs> totally. a better aerial shot. Like 100%. Like 40 years earlier, it was a better <laughs> shot. What's up with the opening credits? So after that little silent film and they find baby Tom Jones and the squire decides... He's gonna, you know, banish the, the, you know, the disgusting yeah. parents that that parented this child, and he's gonna raise him for his own. The, the credits go on. Back then in the '60s, they did credits at the beginning of the movie, typically right. not at the end, and so they go on for a good three, four minutes at the end. But it's not a still shot of baby Tom Jones in the bed. It's the 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 squire and the woman who's with him. They just keep touching the baby in the face for like five just minutes while the, the baby's like, face. Like, what, what, what are you guys doing? This is your baby and you just met it. And why? Like, he's going to get, like, hurt. He's going to get, like, a rash on his face if you keep touching yeah, him like that. Just like, friction. Just, just, like, abrasions right? from your, your right, gross Leave, leave him alone for yeah, a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I wrote down the same note. So weird. <laughs> and, in fact, I started writing down a bunch of what's up with, or what what's up with, but there were just... Just so many of them. Yeah, yeah. There were so many of them because it was just a terrible movie. One thing I did write, though, is just a, a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about the movie Roma, which is nominated for 10 Academy Awards this year, which you really enjoyed and I yeah. despised. And one of the things I didn't like about it was this kind of arm's length feeling mm. where it's tough to really zero in on who this movie's about and what I should be caring about and what do you want because it just all seems like background. 
I wrote, this has that same arm's length feeling. Even with the narration, the narrator would come in and introduce a bunch of characters. They'd be on screen for no more than 10 seconds. And then they'd be off. And I would be like, are we ever going to see them again? Yeah. It just felt like so many little vignettes that were strung together and meant nothing and added up to nothing. And I thought, I'm in the same boat. I don't care about a single thing happening in this movie. I struggled to keep a lot of the characters straight, quite honestly. Like yeah, outside of Tom and, and Sophie, like they all they all blend together a little bit. Do you remember uh, when we saw Green Book and we talked about how impressive it was that Mahershala Ali had gone through um, some classical training, even though he wasn't always playing the piano in the film, but yes. to be able to look like he's authentically playing the piano in these, you know, re- scenes of beautiful music. There's a woman that sits down at the harpsichord in this music, and it is the exact opposite of that. Right. She she looks like she might as well have been dropping bowling pins on the harpsichord. Like clearly, she's not playing that freaking thing. Like it looks right. so stupid. Um, what's up with how many times they use the word "slut" in this movie? Like th- right. this is my first introduction to slut. I think in a best picture uh, right. movie, like <laughs> earliest, right? And might and be. Did I, and did I actually hear? <laughs> there at one point yes, i swear to god i did yeah yeah, yeah. wow yes. wow what what's with how many characters have a huge mole on their face <laughs> or like do, a big yes. beauty mark both men and women and in fact two of the women that tom sleeps with have enormous like quarter-sized moles on their cheek that I believe were like false, you know, like they, they applied yeah, them. Right. So you couldn't even eat. I had such a tough time keeping the characters apart, <laughs> apart, but then you're like, even the woman with the giant mole on her face, there was more than that, one of that's them. That's not the distinguishing fa- that, factor. That yeah. was not enough right. to distinguish one from the other. It just felt like <laughs> what is going on in this travesty. And the whole movie is how Tom Jones is desperately in love with Sophie and he just wants to be with Sophie, but he sleeps with every other woman in the movie. Yeah. And like unabashedly so. And Sophie's like, well, that's just Tom. Like how could, and it's still portrayed as like a romantic comedy. Like how could this movie be made? And who is it for? (laughs) It's shocking. I also love the scene where the guy who comes in, he bursts in on Tom having sex with the woman who later we think is his mom. And that guy is mad at Tom for sleeping with his wife. So you're thinking, oh, the woman is his wife. She's not, though. He has somehow confused this woman with his wife. So there's he's just some weird guy bursting in, accusing his wife of cheating on him. And then Tom leaves, everyone else leaves. And then the slutty woman in the bed makes eyes at the guy who burst in. And he's like, Let's do it. So then he cheats on his wife with the woman that he thought was his cheating wife. It was like, this is just so bad. Yeah. Every, this is the kind of best picture that gives best pictures a really bad name. Uh. Somebody somewhere says, well, let's check it out. It's best picture winner. And it's so awful yeah. that they're like, well, I can never see a period piece or a British film or a best picture winner ever yeah. again. Yeah. This is awful. Well, um, it's it's another one in the books, at the very least. Probably not one that I would ever care to revisit. I, and uh, I, have I to, agree. I, I have to think the Academy did not get it right. Like, again, nothing here jumps. I guess the only other Best Picture nominee that year that I saw, have seen, is How the West Was Won, which is actually a movie that I kind of enjoyed. It, it was one that I saw... In Dallas and at the like, you know, revival Tuesdays where right. they bring back an old movie. 
and it's like an epic western. Uh, I think it, it it's like a three hour long film with the intermission, and uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart was in it, and a lot of other. It's like one of those that brought together like you know a dozen famous actors of the right, era right. and made this epic. I I liked that one, so that one alone I prefer infinitely more than than this one, and I have to think Cleopatra's better. It had a lot more going for it. It was up for nine nine Academy Awards. It won four. It just didn't yeah. didn't take home the big prize. Well, Mike, are you ready for five listener submitted questions let's, on let's, Tom Jones? Let's get this out of the way. Yeah. Question number one: Tom Jones, the singer, actually took his stage name from the main character of this movie. Good call. Um. Well, I mean he. Tom Jones, the singer, tries to portray kind of a sexy playboy sort of. I mean, I guess back when he was not 90, he did. Uh, so yeah, might might as well have. If it this came, he he rose to popularity at about the same era. I guess why not ride that wave? This movie was doing well. Okay. Question number two. You already addressed this, but maybe you can tackle it more specifically. Do you think this film could be remade today? Absolutely not. I I mean, like. Not in the sense that they are laughing off the the sexual, not just dalliances, but like criminal acts of men in this movie. There's every time Tom has to step in and save a woman, she's getting like assaulted, but semi willingly at the time. I mean, none of this would fly. None of this would fly today. It, if, if you're going to tackle a subject like that, it has to be tackled on the nose. You can't make cute of it. Yeah. Uh, Question number three, and I'll just be honest and upfront and say I, I actually submitted this question because I did hate this movie, and I wrote, "What is the worst, well-regarded movie that you've ever seen?" Oh, so this is wow. a Best Picture winner, very well-regarded, lots of people like it, and I freaking hated it. Is there a movie that you can think of that you just really despise that is really well lauded and other people tend to speak very highly of? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going back through some of our best picture winners over time. I mean, My Fair Lady was on a lot of lists, and I couldn't stand that one. I mean, I think, like the, I mean, it's like the top ten musicals of all time, and you know, the top hundred movies of all time. That you don't hear a lot of bad press on that one, and I didn't like it at all. But probably that one, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, question number four. So this is a period film um, that was really well, really popular, really well regarded. And the question here from the, the the listener is: Were audiences more sophisticated in the 1960s that a period drama like a comedy like this could be such a huge hit, or were there just fewer options? Well, I think I think both can be true. I don't think that it needs to be either or. Like I said, I cannot imagine. People like I'm. I'm just. I'm envisioning a packed theater of people like in suits, like academy kind of stuffy type, slapping their legs and turn into their their friend that they're with and, and wiping away tears at this movie. Whereas I could tell a lot of what was meant to be funny and it went completely over my head. And I think that yes, there were. I, I think that there may have been a, a higher level of sophistication and. and 
British films were really popular at the time, but I also think that there were fewer options. So, okay. you know, that there's just not as, as much, uh, you don't need to spread yourself so thinly. You can't be so discerning when you only yeah, get right, so many. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, final question. Albert Finney, uh, as you can see in this movie, was actually quite a handsome man in his yeah. youth. Yeah. Given how he looks today, do you think he caught whatever Nick Nolte has? The 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 last time I saw Albert Finney was in Aaron Brockovich, and I didn't think he looked that bad. I don't know how he looks today. That was that was a good good fifteen years ago, right? You might want to Google it. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you, listeners. That's five questions. All nice right, job, thank Mike. You, we already yeah. did final thoughts. We already did the Academy. Did they get it right? I don't think they did. I think this is a real black eye. You know, I I kind of take back even what I've said about like Crash. And My Fair Lady and Out of Africa. I mean, some of these movies, uh, Gentleman's Agreement, I would sit through all of them again willingly before sitting through another another few moments of Tom Jones. Well, despite what we've had to say about it, if any of our listeners are just dying to see it and can't locate a copy, reach out to me and I'll loan you my Blu-ray Criterion (laughs) collection with an extra disc of special features. Good Christ. No good. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to have another Best Picture winner. We're going to spend a little quality time at the Grand Hotel. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.